Let's do it. This is Buccaneers Total Access, Total Access with head coach Bruce Arians. Dropping back to throw Brady. Has all kinds of time. Throws a deep pass far sideline toward Godwin. It's caught. Touchdown Tampa Bay. Chris Godwin. Brought to you by Advent Health. With award-winning care and a network of convenient locations, Advent Health is here to help you feel whole. Learn more at yourcareyournetwork.com. Fire the cannons. Now your host, Bucks team reporter Casey Phillips and head coach Bruce Arians. Welcome into the Bruce Arians Show. Casey Phillips here with head coach Bruce Arians. And first of all, coach, I mean, congratulations. First time in franchise history, the team starts 6-1. And one. And uh, I, I just I have to ask, what, what do you credit this to? And what does a start like this mean to you guys as a team? Yeah, it's everything we were hoping for, you know. Uh, uh, when you go back to May and mini camps and training camp, and you'd like to get off to that kind of start. Uh, but it's really just one step. You know, it's a long, long way to go. Uh, a lot of credit goes to Jason and, and the roster he's built and, and John Spitek and those guys for bringing players in uh, and, and an excellent job of, by the coaching staff of bringing a guy in on Tuesday, playing him on Sunday. That's hard, and yeah. especially at defensive back. Yeah, and I, we'll talk about some of those guys that, you know, the quote off the street guys that end up playing some pretty big roles. But I did want to ask, I know every coach, every team, every player has said the phrase next man up about a thousand times in mm-hmm. their in their career. But there's one thing to say that and know that that's what has to happen, but that does not always work out well. The, the next man up doesn't always answer the call. Mm-hmm. So what has made this team the team where it actually does work that way? Yeah, I think a lot of it is coaching. I think Todd's done a great job defensively of putting those guys in positions where they can be successful and still not be vanilla. You know, same thing. Offensively, knock on wood, we, we've been pretty lucky. Uh, we lose a receiver, Scotty or A.B., we've got young guys ready to roll. So um, that part of it is, is a lot harder. I've been where we lost our, all our tackles. Chicago, for instance, you know, the COVID hit their tackles. They were playing with guys, and it showed in the game quick. You know, offensive, DBs, you can get out there. Offensive linemen, not so fast. <laughs> not, not so much, yeah. And you guys uh, were up 35-3 to three at halftime. Uh, largest halftime margin in the NFL this season, second biggest halftime lead in Bucks history, and 35 first half points ties the team record for the most points in a half. Um, what happened in that first half to get to that point? Oh gosh, yeah, all those turnovers. Yeah. You know, we had short fields. We didn't have that many yards, but we had a lot of points. And uh, you know, defensively, we just kept taking the ball away and doing a great job of interceptions, sack fumbles, and uh, and getting off off on third down. And uh, again, Jalen. Darden shows up with a big punt return. So we had great field position, and, and we were turning them into touchdowns. And I know against the Eagles, you guys jumped out to the big lead, but then you let them back in. So I'm imagining for you the big lead wasn't as important as keeping the big lead. Mm-hmm. And, and what do you think happened from that last game to this game to where you weren't going to let this team creep back in? Yeah, defensively, I think we've grown a bunch. And, um, you know, offensively, we let them back in. We, we, we quit scoring down there when it was easy. And uh, defensively, they just weren't going to give up any yards. Yeah, what does it mean to know that you feel like you still left points on the board even though you scored 38 points? Yeah, that, that was the disappointing part. Uh, the, the whole second half, the first drive, we came out with no huddle, thought we had to get them tired, and uh, we, we'd mess up a third and two, um, get down there on the goal line twice and don't score. So yeah, it was a 50 point game that we left out there. So there's always room for improvement. That's the nice thing. And uh, you can come back in and you look at the tape and say, wow, you know, we had this, but defensively, that was a great effort. 
I feel like it, there's got to be a point when we run out of records for Brady to hit. <laughs> I just keep thinking this this has to be all of them. But then now, 600th career touchdown, first quarterback to hit that mark. Uh, had you known that that was coming, and when did you find out about that stat? Yeah, I thought it was going to happen in this ball game. You know, I, I just uh, you never know when it's going to happen, so you get caught up in the game. Oh yeah, that 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 happened. Uh, but yeah, it was. I mean, for him to break records, they're going to be his own records yeah. from now on. Yeah, that's so true. And did you uh, did you know in the moment about the ball drama? Because that became especially in a game that's that big of a blowout. People needed some drama in the game. Yeah, I didn't know that was the one. I saw Mike give the ball away, then they announced it. I went, oh, Mike, that's going to be costly, brother. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Are there any iconic things like that that you've kept in your career or wanted to keep? Are you a guy that that wants a football, wants a thing like that? Yeah, there's some game balls that that mean a whole lot more than others, you know. Um, But, yeah, I I still have one from high school and uh, somewhere. (laughs) It's it's at the lake somewhere. But, yeah, I didn't have very many. (laughs) (laughs) You you weren't like Brady where he's like, I don't even care anymore. We got too many of these. Um, Well, and and speaking of Mike, first player in team history with multiple games with three or more receiving touchdowns. And now he's done it twice. Uh, Fifteen multi-touchdown games since coming in the league. Second only to Antonio Brown in that stretch. Um, why is he able to find the end zone so consistently? Yeah, he's such a great target down there. He's, you know, he's big, he's, and he's got great hands, he's physical. You know, three of his touchdowns were all against double coverage. And uh, he just beat the coverage, and, and Tom made some great throws. You know, the, the fade ball, um, it was a one-handed catch that, that was double coverage in and out, and, and he beat the guy anyway. So uh, he's just an amazing player. It feels like once a guy like Mike gets a play like that, that it's this big, you know, incredible catch and all the way down there, almost the touchdown, then it almost feels like Brady's like, don't worry, I got you. Yeah. Like, does that seem yeah. to be kind of oh, his yeah. mantra there? I'll get it back for you. Yeah, <laughs> like that. Well, and then, of course, Mike gives the ball away. He's like, what are you, what are you doing, man? You're not helping me here. Um, and then Chris Godwin, I mean, you know, 111 yards, he got a 34-yarder and a touchdown. It, just some of those big chunk plays seem like they've been working so well to him. Uh, what did you see from his game and, and some of those big yardage plays especially? Yeah, we couldn't get him his touchdown. He got stuck <laughs> on the half-yard line. Trying. But, uh, no, he's just amazing. I mean, he's, again, a tremendously talented player, but nobody works any harder than Chris at his craft, you know, every day in practice. But he does all the dirty, grimy work, so you you love to see him get those touchdowns. Yeah, and when we knew there wasn't uh, going to be an Antonio Brown appearance, um, sometimes that means that our other guys are needing to step up for it. This team, it felt like Chris and Mike just ended up stepping up a little bit more. Is, is that kind of how it felt to you out there? How did you guys plan on filling that A-B gap? Yeah, I thought Tyler was going to have a little bit bigger role in this one. And uh, they, for whatever reason, you know, they, they, they went towards him and uh, opened up Mike and Chris. But uh, OJ keeps doing really well. So they're, it's a nice thing to have. And then the running game was just unbelievable in this one. Yeah, that was actually my next question. Uh, you know, Fournette, 81 yards, Rojo, 63. And uh, I got to imagine that's music to your ears that you're getting that many yards from, from multiple backs. Oh, there's no doubt. Yeah. And uh, like I said earlier, there's no way we're trading Rojo. He's too valuable of a player. And, and man, he was running great in this one. I know that that goal line stand was probably one of the, you know, some of those points you talked about leaving on the board. What do you feel like you guys learned from that possession and, and those stops? Uh, yes, yeah, just come off with better coordination, not letting leakage come in and get us in the backfield. And uh, both those plays down there, we let too much leakage happen at the point of attack. And whenever you do have such a big lead, how do you start making those decisions on if or when to rest starters, who you want to rest, all of those kind of factors? Yeah, we talked about early in the fourth quarter when they had the ball 
had they taken time off the clock and not scored, which which do all our substitution. If if they scored, no, and because uh, no leads ever safe in this league. I've seen it happen way too many times. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. And and how did you decide who? the guys were that is the most valuable to rest at certain points. Yeah, we tried to get them all out of there, but we got the ball like on the two-yard line, so we didn't really want to, to change centers. You know, mm -hmm. so we got everybody out, got the ball up the midfield, got everybody out of there, couldn't change centers in the middle of a drive. Uh, but uh, so that was the only one. I liked to gotten Ryan out of there, and uh, but I didn't want to put Hainsey in a net position. Casey Phillips here with head coach Bruce Arians, and uh, you, we were talking about not trying to pull out of your start, especially offensive linemen. I have to imagine that O-line performance overall was something that you were very happy with and, you know, facing guys like Khalil Mack, that's, that's no small task. The Bears' defense had been incredible coming into this game. We're missing a few pieces that are mm -hmm. very important, but how did you feel the O-line played overall? Oh, I thought they were fantastic. When you run the ball for that many yards and, and uh, that many successful runs, uh, the run efficiency was outstanding. So um, other than the, the glitches on the goal line, it was, it was a marvelous night by the offensive line. Great protection. And how much growth have you seen? You know, it was kind of an easy game to pinpoint um, for penalties because it, it's so funny how Chicago was the team last year that was the turning point of the penalties. And it looks like maybe that could even be the case this year. What, what, why, why is Chicago the team? I, I, well, I think there was a lot of memories. <laughs> yeah. There was a lot of a PTSD. Uh, <laughs> there was a lot of reminders during the week yes. by the coaches. And, uh, you know, it's time. It's time to, to put that to bed. And, and I thought our guys did a great job of keeping their techniques, offense, defense, and special teams, did a really good job of using good fundamentals and not getting caught with penalties. Yeah, and did it feel like the kind of shift that could be permanent, that it wasn't just this one game of playing clean? Yeah, I think once you start a clean game like this and you can start building on it, um, it'll happen. And you mentioned earlier Jalen Darden getting in there, his his first shot at returning kicks this year. And, man, he just came out with a bang, 43-yard return. Uh, what was that like to get to watch him? And, and why was this the time that you felt like made sense to put him in that position? Yeah, he's ready. And, uh, you know, you watch young guys perform in practice and, and keep moving going forward. And, uh, you know, Jaden Mickens had done a good job. I just thought Jalen is just so much more explosive, and he gives us some stuff in offense on returns and, and gimmick plays that uh, that he could he could start his his role now and uh, expand it. And uh, I think the next time he breaks one, nobody's going to catch him. But this time he just. He was breathing real hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, didn't have quite those game legs under him yeah. yet. The practice legs are a little bit different. Um, I, and I also saw you guys used him on an end around, mm -hmm. uh, got a gain of 11 there. And, and we've talked about that um, he's got a lot of people ahead of him in, in the wide receiver room. But uh, what made you want to try to be able to use him offensively in addition to just the return game? Yeah, he's so explosive. And uh, he ran a great route and just missed him. Blaine just missed him uh, on that one big third down. Uh, but he he's... He's got special quickness and explosiveness that uh, it's very rare. And then I know Keyshawn Vaughn, another guy, got his first snaps. It's the, the, the nice thing about having that lead. You get some of the young guys in there. What did you see from his running performance? Oh, I mean, he, he's got great vision. He might have the best vision of all our backs and, and picking and sliding and making things happen. And uh, every time he gets his opportunity, he does a heck of a job with it. Casey Phillips here with head coach Bruce Arians. We've talked a lot about the offense, a little special teams. Now let's get into that defense. Man, five takeaways uh, that is most in a home game for uh, years and years, most in any game since 2017. Um, what led to that explosion of takeaways in this game, you think? Yeah, I thought we had a great blitz package. And early in the game, you know, Antoine came free, free and hit it. They got the ball back, but uh, that, I think that set the tempo. And then JPP just had a heck of a ball game, and, and we had pressure from everywhere. 
And uh, then you know, when you get pressure on a young quarterback, he's going to start throwing it a little bit early. And that led to a couple interceptions. And uh, th- But again, pressure was the key to the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, the, the sacks were just starting to pile up there too. And, and one of the beginning ones, you got a strip sack uh, by Antoine Winfield Jr. And, you know, you guys didn't end up recovering it. So theoretically, you were so close to even six turnovers mm-hmm. there. But uh, after missing him for a bit and watching him come out and make such a big impact splash play that early, uh, how, how nice was that to see? And, and was what is it about him that can make that big of an impact after missing some time? Yeah, he's an excellent blitzer. And, and he's a heck of a safety. You know, he, he can do it all for us. He had, I thought he was going to have an interception. And uh, it kind of peaked at the, at the receiver instead of just going ahead and selling out. But, uh, yeah, he's a hell of a player. And, uh, yeah, we missed him when he was not in there. Yeah, and, and take us to that play a little bit of, of what worked so well for him on that. And, and we hear about some other guys getting, especially the strip sacks, but for a safety to get it, how, to explain a little bit of how impressive that yeah, is. Yeah, I mean, we did a great job of disguising who was blitzing. And they thought we were coming from the other side. He came clean. And when you come clean on the backside of the quarterback, it uh, you, you go for that high shoulder, which is his throwing hand, and did a great job of it. And the guy who is just always so incredible at the strip sack, Shaq Barrett, I mean, this guy, he now has 10 strip sacks since 2019, which is the most in the NFL in that time span. So why is he so successful at not just getting there but getting the ball out? Yeah, I, I, that, that's, again, that's a special skill. And I, I think watching Von Miller when he was at Denver, who was great at it, and he stole how to do it. And, and, and that's you really learn from great players. And that, it's, he turned into one now because he's just got great timing and those really quick hands when he sees the, the, the ball go back cocked and ready to throw it gets it out there and uh, and you gotta have good strength for that also yeah and i imagine that it, it is so nice to know that you have guys like that teaching joe tryon shoinka because like you said you can learn mm-hmm. so much from those players that as much as you coaches can say things sometimes mm-hmm. watching those other players can be more important so what are the things that you've seen that both Shaq and jpp have been conveying to Tryon, or, or what he's picked up from them maybe well one thing is you're never hurt yeah. <laughs> that's what JPP teaches. Yes. <laughs> and uh, that's, uh, there's a certain pain level that you can play with in this game. Yeah, and, I can't uh, get upset at stubbing a toe anymore. Now no, I, JPP has taught me yeah, that, like, there's it's nothing. It's totally different. <laughs> and then, you know, when you shack, and they do a great job of teaching and talking to him uh, in, the, in the film sessions and on the field. And, uh, yeah, it's great for him to have those two guys. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up with JPP. I mean, no practice, no problem, which mm-hmm. – I mean, I'm sure that's not maybe a part you want the rest of the team to decide on, you know, that, that practicing isn't necessary. Yeah. But um, for him to be as injured as he's been, not practice all week, and then come in, couple sacks, force fumble, I, I, I feel like he's almost like Brady at this point where I lose the words mm-hmm. to, dis- to explain what he's yeah, doing. So, so try to give us the words. It's <laughs> a, he's a true warrior. I mean, there's very, very few guys that can do what he does and ha- been through what he's been through and, and still go out there and play at that level. It was like we had a nice talk last week. It's like, he said, man, shoulder's killing me. I don't know. I said, look, <laughs> just learn what to do. Get ready for Sunday. And that's going to probably be the plan for the rest of the year. Yeah. And, and – how is he able to, even with this big old club on his hand and a hurt shoulder, what is it either physically or mentally that he is still able to do to have that kind of success where that, that would be too much for most guys to overcome? Yeah, I think that's just his history, you know. He's got a resume that, that most players don't have. And uh, when, when you have that kind of resume as a coach, it's easy for me. You just get ready for Sunday. We've got a couple of veteran guys like that. Practice is one thing. And... Um, You'll be prepared, I know that, and just get your body ready to go. 
And earlier in the show, we talked about that next man up mentality. And I feel like Dee Delaney and Pierre Desir are just the embodiment mm -hmm. of that phrase at this point. So Dee Delaney gets his first career start and his first career interception in a game. Uh, and then he goes down and then Pierre Desir has to step up. And what does he do but get an interception? Mm -hmm. So take us through both of those interceptions and then both of those guys and what they bring. Yeah, they're both, uh, again, Dee has worked his tail off. You know, he had a great camp. And uh, it really showed on special teams, and uh, and he kind of started growing as a corner. Um, Pierre's got a, a good resume, and uh, but again, pressure on the quarterback caused both of them. You know, it, it got right in his face, and he fires it real high, and all D had to do was catch it. Pierre did a great job of getting his head around. Again, pressure on it, so it was a little bit of an underthrow, and he's got that length. He goes up and gets it, and uh, but both those guys um, can't say enough about coming in finding a role, and then expanding that role. Yeah, and we talked about the importance of that 6-1 and one start and how rare that is. And then to know you've done that with such a depleted defense at times. What does that say about the team overall? Yeah, just, again, the roster, you know, and then our pro personnel group of finding guys. I mean, we got Bleeder Ray Wilson in now, and I really like what I saw last week. And, and he's a veteran guy who's played a lot of ball. He might have to step up this week, so we'll wait and see with seven games, seven different starting defense backfields, so why not eight? Yeah, why not? You know, you don't want to get bored. You know, yeah, you, exactly. just, you like things being interesting as a coach. Now facing the Saints, uh, haven't had a lot of these division games yet, and we know how important these are going to be down the stretch. Uh, tell us, I mean, it's not like you're unfamiliar with this team for a lot of reasons, but of course it's going to look very different with a Drew Brees-led Saints versus a Jameis Winston-led Saints. So with the experience with Jameis and what you know about him and what you've seen of who he is with the Saints, how will that change things facing them? Well, it all starts with Alvin Kamara, and, uh, and they're running the ball really, really well, and, uh, you know, and their defense. The Saints have a great – they still have a great defense. Jameis is doing a really good job of, of managing the games for him and, uh, and throwing the ball really, really well. And he's got a Galloway, this, this young receiver. They seem to have a hell of a connection. And uh, – but even if they get Michael Thomas back, I think Galloway's still the guy. But Alvin Kamara is the guy we have to stop. And you've, these last couple of weeks, you've gotten to face Hurts and then Fields, and it felt like Hurts was, was basically able to prepare you guys for Fields and the mobile quarterback, a, a similar vibe to them. Um, do you feel like now that helped even be more prepared for Jameis, where we know that's going to be different than Breeze, who like to sit back there a little bit yeah, more? Yeah, and Jameis is more of a pocket guy. He's not a read option guy. You know, those read option teams are a little bit different. You can play some different defenses uh, for a pocket passer, and, and we've got to get after him, that's for sure. But it all starts with stopping the run. Which, how do you feel like you guys have been doing overall? We know that that in the past hasn't been a huge area of strength, but I know this game you allowed it a little bit more than you would have liked to. Same thing with the Eagles, a little bit more than you would have liked to. So what do you see as needs to improve on the run defense? Yeah, staying in, you know, staying in our gaps. And uh, we've been playing some two-shell, which we've tried to stop the run with six. And uh, that'll, be, that'll be tough to do. And that, that forces you into one-on-one -on -one coverages. So Todd will do a good job of mixing and matching and, and disguising his coverages. But, you know, we, we cannot get out of our gaps because Camaro will take it to the house. Yeah, and as much as uh, we're thrilled to have fans back in the stands this year, I think that the Saints road games is one area where that was kind of a, a nice little perk last year to, to take away a little bit of that big home mm -hmm. field advantage they tend to have. So now that you know it's, you're going back into the, the typical Superdome mm -hmm. environment, what do you guys do to prepare for that and, and work on that this week? Yeah, it's just the noise that we do every single week. You know, it's whether it's offense, on the road, defense, at home. Uh, but Halloween in New Orleans... That's second time I've been there. It's always fun. And uh, 
So it's a, it's always a treat to look at the fans, and and, uh, and they have great fans anyway. So it'll be loud, it'll be raucous, and uh, should be a hell of a game. That's great. I love it. Well, thanks so much as always for joining us, and good luck this week against the Saints. Thanks. Coming up on Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Advent Health, is outside linebacker coach Larry Foote. This is the Buccaneers Radio Network. Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Advent Health. It's intercepted, picked off down the sideline, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown Tampa Bay! Touchdown Buccaneers, Jamal Dean! Now more with head coach Bruce Arians and Bucks team reporter Casey Phillips. Welcome back into Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Advent Health. And I am so excited to be joined by outside linebacker coach Larry Foote. Coach, thanks for being with me. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Uh, so, man, five takeaways on defense. Like, this is this is the dream game, right? It was an awesome game. No heart attacks yesterday. My family and friends, they were happy. They just got to enjoy the game. It was a big old party. Yeah, that was, that's a good way of putting it. That whole game did feel like a party. I mean, man, the 35-3 to at halftime, largest halftime margin in the NFL this season. And there had been a couple games where – you guys would get out to a big lead, but then maybe like the Eagles game, let it you know get a little bit closer. How important was it to not only jump out to such a big lead, but to maintain it, to, to not let them slip back in? Well, that was the point of emphasis last week from uh, B.A. He was disappointing us a little bit as far as letting the Eagles get back, and the guys responded. The guys responded. The tape by no means was perfect. Uh, there's a lot of coaching points when the guys come back in on Wednesday that, you know, as a staff, we're going to point out and say, hey, we got lucky here. So uh, as long as them guys keep uh, building. But I feel like that's got to even be more encouraging to you that even with there being things on tape that aren't perfect, to have that kind of a victory. I mean, usually a score like that makes you think everything was perfect. Right. So what does that say about the capability of, you know, specifically the defense and your guys that even when things aren't perfect, you can win a game like that? Well, that's part of being a coach. We got to figure out some way to try to get the guys, you know, stay on the edge. But uh, yeah, if they're playing perfect, you're not needed, right? You got to get <laughs> that job security. Absolutely. <laughs> but you know, when you win, uh, when you're criticizing those guys, it don't sting as bad. Opposed when you lose and guys, you know, on ease a little bit. But it's good to win. Keep stacking them. But we definitely got to uh, point out the stuff that we came up short. And four sacks uh, for the defense, three by your guys. And your group, it is much more than just about sacks. That right. tends to be the stat that everybody pays the most attention to. But specifically, I know that was something that B.A. emphasized after the Rams game in particular, that, that you, know, you guys were kind of getting there but not getting them down and not getting those sack stats. What has changed since that Rams game to where, even though we know it's not the only stat, it is a big stat of emphasis for you guys, and, and it did get so much better after that game? But the thing from the Rams game that I noticed that we were getting chipped and double teamed and quarterbacks getting the ball out their hands early, that kind of kills our drive a little bit. I just challenge those guys no matter what. I don't care if it's three guys over there and the quarterback throwing the ball in one second. Make sure you get off the ball and have that. I need to see on film that you you think you're going to get home. It's kind of like a punt block. Always think you're going to be the guy that gets free. Never know who's going to come free, but... I challenge them guys, no matter what, get off the ball and uh, assume you're going to get a sack. And take me through those sacks by your guys and uh, and what they did so well, what all worked well together to lead to that. Well, they, they got to the ball. I mean, they got the ball out. You know, that's the point of emphasis that we have in the room. And I always tell them, say, hey, you get a sack, Ty Bowles will kiss you. You get a sack fumble, Ty Bowles and NBA going to kiss you. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> but they did a good job getting the ball out and uh, – 
Those guys like sacks. They they understand, you know, in this league, really, you know, each sack is a million dollars. You get 10 a year, you get 10 million a year. So uh, those guys love giving out the, getting after the, the passer. Problems I'm going to uh, challenge them with. We had sacks early on, then, you know, they started playing the pass more than a run a little bit during the game. So, they get a little uh, too excited. Like in NBA, you hit that, that three uh, early in the first quarter, you shoot threes the whole game. So I got to, you know, bring them guys back in. Yeah, and you brought up the ability to not only get the sack, but sack fumble. And Shaq Barrett, I mean, a guy that, of course, we have known for the sacks. And then now he, he has 10 strip sacks since 2019, which is the most in the NFL in that time span. So why is he in particular so good at not just getting the sack, but also getting the ball out? Well, it starts with his get off. When you get off the ball like that, you're out the, the quarterback's view. Uh, you have to tackle running, you know, trying to chase you. And he has a good good job with his feet work. I don't want to get too technical on you. But he know how to bend the corner so he can get right there uh, with that quarterback when he's releasing that ball and knocking out. You're always allowed to get technical on this. You know, we're always, we're all about it. That's why we have you assistant coaches on. We want the nerd football, you know? And so I know uh, you guys talked about how you got to go against Jalen Hurts and then immediately against Fields. Did you see where that was helpful to, to have almost back-to-back guys that have a pretty similar style to them and are the get-outside-the-pocket kind of guys? Was, was that almost a, a teaching tape from the Eagles for this Bears game? Well, the one with uh, Jason... The second sack he got, you know, once you come high, those guys tend to take off. And, you know, they'll try to slide through the B-gap. So what Jason did, he went high. He, he noticed he, was, uh, he wasn't going to get home but come back. A lot of times those athletic quarterbacks, they'll step up in the pocket or try to take off through the B-gap. And uh, he caught him. I don't know how he got him down. He already had one and a half hand. <laughs> well, oh, okay. <laughs> I love well, it. With the club, he only had one hand, so he got him down. Yeah. My kids asked, how did Jason get that quarterback down with that club? And you know what? The the club hand, whatever we want to call it. That's the so hook great. hand, that's the what they call hook. it. Yeah, the hook yeah. Hand. We started calling him Captain Hook. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like we're, we're talking outside linebacker coach Larry Foote. I mean, here, JPP doesn't even practice all week. Like, I just feel like we take for granted what he can do. That To your point, here he talks about his shoulder this and his hand this and all, I mean all the he's so beat up doesn't practice all week and then comes in and has this incredible game with game changing plays. Why is he capable of that and what does that mean for you as a coach to have someone like that where you're like I don't even need him at practice and he's still gonna go make plays like that. Well, he drives me crazy during the week as you know, <laughs> but. Uh... I always uh, tell Joe and the young guys, it's his mentality. He has a mentality that uh, nothing's going to stop him. Uh, just his upbringing, uh, you know, the firework accident we talked about. He had a car wreck, had the neck a couple years ago, and he just keeps responding. And uh, it's his mentality. He knows he can he can get there. I mean, first it starts with his God-given ability. and uh, But he likes to play. He likes to play. And when you add those things together. You have a long career with a lot of production. And speaking of those young guys, I know that that's got to be such a blessing for you as a coach to have vets like Shaq and JPP, that it's not just you trying to coach the young guys, but there's also someone to say, look look what he does, that I, I'm sure that makes your job easier. Um, but when, when it comes to a guy like Tryon, um, Take me back to the, the pre-draft process of watching his tape and, and what you liked. I mean, I know that it's Jason Light and those front office guys doing a lot of the heavy lifting and all that, but 
as you start getting involved in the process, looking at him, what stood out to you and what do you remember from before you drafted him? Well, I knew he was under the radar because he didn't play his junior year because of COVID. So he sat out. Uh, when we talked, when we spoke with him, he said, I wanted to play, but the Pac-10 took so long deciding if they were going to have a season. So he just concentrated, you know, on the NFL draft. But I knew he was a good athlete. Uh, you didn't know, I didn't know he was that good of an athlete until he showed up on campus. I love his mindset. He's a smart kid. I met his mother last night and I just, you know, congratulated her. She did a, a great job raising him. He's a great young man. Uh, he loves to play. He's smart and he's tough. And like you just mentioned, being in that room, if I'm a young guy, I would love to come to a scenario like that with JPP and Shaq. You can learn. You know, I mean, the game better just seeing it every day, opposed to just listening to your coach, you know, your loud mouth coach trying to tell you how to get it done. <laughs> when you can see those guys executing in the way they, they do it and just their mindset. You know, we mentioned their pass rushers, but those guys take pride in stopping the run. And uh, young pass rushers, when they come in that league, they need to develop that if you want to be on a good team. I mean, you see around the league, guys can have good numbers, but, you know, the defense sucks because guys are, you know, just chasing their stats. Is that something that you really focus on with the guys is less stats and more the contribution to the game, even if it goes unnoticed on a stat sheet? Is, is that a hard message to convey in, in a world like today of where, I mean, it's not as big a deal fantasy-wise on right. the defense side, but it just feels like nowadays – stats are so much with whether it's pro bowl things you know whatever is, is that a hard message to convey to young guys definitely if you don't have leaders in there showing them by the example and uh that's dang near impossible if your leader's not uh setting the tone i may go you know as a coach it go in one ear and out the other so i always point out when superstars in this league when they just chase a stag give up 30 yard run so uh we drill that in that starts with bowls the Casey Rogers to do the run game every week and uh, guys buy into it. And the result of that, uh, you know, we number one in the league last couple of years in the run game. And uh, you see Vita Bay out there, he's sacrificing his uh, sacks, you know, to smash the run. So guys buy in and uh, we're grateful for that. And what do you think was, were the biggest things that you wanted to work on, try on with when he first got in here and, and how was it um, maybe different because he hadn't played right. in so long. What, what did that affect about what you guys were going to try to do with him here? Well, a lot of times with young guys, especially athletic guys in college, they can just run around guys and get sacks, especially in the Pac-12. You know, those numbers are through the roof because, you know, they play that soft brand of football. But <laughs> I'm sure you've mentioned that to, to <laughs> him a few times. All the time, times, all yeah. the time. But uh, you got to teach them guys techniques, and you just can't just – run around you got to go through the guys you got to be physical you got to understand moves and uh how to hand fight you know main thing I'm, his hands get too high on the shoulder pads you got to hit the, the peck you got to lower his hands down a little bit and uh he's working on it that's the great thing a young guy came in you know I always mention i think got like a five million dollar check you know just signing so uh but he buys into it he wants to be a pro and uh the sky's the limit for him. What do you think are the biggest ways he's already progressed? If, if you go back and think of him maybe in the start of training camp to now, um, 
both mentally and physically, you know, on, on the field, off the field, the whole the whole package of who he is, where, where have you seen the biggest growth? Just studying it. And him being the first-round pick, but he got two alpha males in front of him, so we throw a lot of different packages at him. And uh, Bowles will give him as much as he can learn and can go out there and uh, and produce for us. So he's he's a pro as far as Wednesday, like in two days from now, we're going to give him a, another package. And you got to study it. You got to study it. Some, sometimes the tough part where you try to avoid it, start running together on you. And you got to put the time in there to avoid that. And he's doing a great job uh, of learning it. And throughout the week, and Bowles is comfortable with it. And on Sundays, we, we call it. All right, well, we have more coming up here on Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Advent Health with outside linebacker coach Larry Foote. So don't go anywhere. This is the Buccaneers Radio You are Network. listening to Buccaneers Total Access. Hot ball! Touchdown, Tampa Bay Antonio Brown! Brought to you by Advent Health. What an answer by Brady in the box! With head coach Bruce Arians and Bucks insider Casey Phillips. We are back here on Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Advent Health. I am joined by outside linebacker coach Larry Foote. We've been talking a little bit about that rookie, Joe Tryonshenka, and I know um, you talked about all those packages before the break that you're, you're throwing at him that as a rookie start learning all those new things, and it feels like maybe even more than a typical rookie at his position because you've tried to use him in some unique positions. So tell us a little bit about how that has all come about of all of a sudden he's lining up you know, out there in the slot area and he's out there with JPP and, and Shaq, and um, that had been a big question of how you were going to use all those guys, how you were going to rotate him in. Was he going to basically play well enough to almost force you to put him on the field right. more than you would have thought. So tell us how all of that came about and, and the decisions that you and, and Coach Bowles make about how he gets used. Well, remember I mentioned when he got on campus, we knew he was such a good athlete. Now, okay, we can play him a little DB spot. He can play a little safety. He can play off the ball backer. He can put his hand down. He can be a D lineman for us. So uh, that's uh, the more you can do is, is, uh, is good for your career. But just to mention, just mentally, he's he's picking it up and uh, Bo's upstairs on the board right now, just drawing up different stuff, try to confuse the the offense, and uh, Joe's doing a good job for us so far. I just have this picture of Bo's up there, like this mad scientist of their drawn on the oh, board. Yeah. And uh, how do you feel like his system works well, particularly for your position group? What are the things that he does that you're like, oh, I I like my guys being able to be in his system? Well, he likes us to rush. He likes us to rush. He uh, get exotic with it a little bit. And everybody, I played for Bowles my last year out in Arizona. And uh, if you're a defensive player, you want to play in this system, especially if you're an aggressive guy. Bowles does a good job putting guys in position to make plays and keeps everybody happy, keeps everybody happy. And uh, he has a unique skill in doing that. I want to know how, for you guys, we always hear the way that, you know, the rush affects the coverage and, you know, the back and front end affect each other. So there's all these injuries that go on in the secondary. For you as a coach, when that happens, what are you communicating to your guys? How does that change what you guys are, are doing or working on? Because it, sometimes it can seem like it's a separate thing, but we know it's not that they, they really do affect each other. So as those injuries start happening, what does that mean for you and your guys? Hey, we got to keep rushing. You know, we're a 3-4 always – a 3-4 defense, outside linebackers, you got to pretty much create the pressure down in and down out. Look at our big guys inside, you know, Sue, Vita. Those guys are more to stop the run. They're more two-gap type of guys. And you guys got to make the quarterback step up. Look at your paycheck and <laughs> tell you, you got to be disruptive. And uh, no matter what, if the quarterback's getting rid of the ball, you got to stay positive. You got to stay aggressive and uh, – 
those guys off the streets. I'm still calling guys by their numbers. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, DB coaches rocking them. They, those guys and Nick Rapone, they're doing a great job getting them guys up to speed. And, uh, you know, hopefully we go down the stretch, we have everybody back. I know for film sessions, I, I think that's always an interesting thing to hear for rookies how long it takes them to figure out what it's like to study for an NFL game and the ways that can be different from college. So what are the things that you emphasize to Joe or your guys at large about studying for games? And if, if you're leading a film session, what are the, the little things that you're wanting them to notice and pointing out that can make a, a big difference? Well, in the National Football League, in my opinion, games are won and lost in the fourth quarter by mental errors and missed tackles. So, uh, that's just that's what separates college and pros, high school is is that much emphasis on not make, making a mistake from a mental standpoint, and uh, that's what gets you beat. So uh, you know, I was a young guy in this league, I was an older guy in this league, and it's, it hasn't changed. You got to be able, you got to be able to execute from upstairs, and the plays are going to be made. You're going to be in position. Your God-given ability is going to make the plays, but you do not want to let your team down by a blown assignment. So you got to study. You got to study during the week. All the all the teams that win the Super Bowl and the legendary defenses, you got to be smart to uh, sustain that much uh, success in this league. So if you, you're not willing to do that, you're just going to be average defense or below. We're talking outside linebacker coach Larry Foote. Um, looking at Shaq, how have you seen him um, grow, learn, change since he came in? I mean, he came in with just such a bang with, a, I think the stat sheet said a trillion sacks. I right. think that's <laughs> I think that's what I remember it saying. Um, how have you seen him grow in that experience and to try to not make that that one season wonder kind of a thing and, and, and what it meant for your expectations for him? Well, you got to be a leader. And um, he teaches those guys, even in individuals. He's showing those guys how to rush. I remember the first year with Carl Nassib, he was giving him – uh, tricks and how to rush the passer, just a little unique stuff. And I always say he learned from Von Miller and uh, DeMarcus Ware and those guys. And, he, you know, he's willing to share that information with the young guys, and he works. He works hard. He finishes. And um, the biggest thing was coming here, he had to buy in to stop the run. That was the only negative part, and I always remind him of that. Out in Denver, I said, yeah, you and Von Miller, you guys didn't play the run that well, but. He he loves he, he loves playing the run. He's a tough guy. Uh, you know, I always try to tell him. You know, he's married with kids. Don't be bringing that married soft life into this <laughs> locker room. That's you keep amazing. that off the field when you get in yeah, between be, these lines. You be cute with the kids at yeah. home, but here we're trying to knock someone's head off. Absolutely, be Baltimore Shaq. Don't yes. be uh, at home married with kids, Shaq. That's so funny. And did you see a way that teams maybe changed how they faced him? after that breakout sack year that, cause he did go from, I mean, I'm not gonna call it obscurity, but he, he was not a Von Miller name, right. then comes in here and blows the roof off. Did you see that teams adjusted what they were focusing on with you guys? I mean, chipping them, just chipping them, uh, sliding to them. Um, a lot of times, like the first game, I think when we played Cowboys, they just throw the ball, it's all short game, short passing and we gotta adjust. Uh, we drop sometimes too. We got to improve in that, but offense is just their game plan to be around those guys, and uh, they still got to be positive. Still uh, got to have that mindset that they're gonna get home. When you talk about the emphasis on the run game as well, I know that that is something that this team overall just takes a lot of pride in, having had the number one rush defense. Um, how 
how big of a role have you guys tried to play in it and how much does it impact you that you have guys like Vita and Sue right there next to you? How have you seen those two position groups be able to work really well together? Well, like for uh, today, we came with five turnovers, we had four sacks or whatnot, but we gave like 130 rushing. So it's kind of, you know, if we kept them under 100, we'd probably be floating a little more. But uh, those guys take great pride in it. Uh, Sue and Vita, they got to, you know, you number one in the league and stopping the run, you, you should take pride in that. You can uh, stick your chest out. And those guys love it. But it starts from the top. Bowles and Casey Rogers, even the DB Ross demands those uh, corners tackle. Uh, as a player, you know, he never shied away from no tackles. And that's just the standard around here. And if you come in here, we expect you to buy into it. Speaking of him being a player in the way that he can demand that similar to you, how do you see that affecting your coaching style for people like you, Coach Ross, people who played in the league? Um, how often does that infiltrate the way that you coach? Or maybe even how often are you bringing up like, well, I always did this. You know, why can't you do this? I try to avoid those. <laughs> but from time to time, the guys, you know, they force me into, you know, tell them about the old days. But <laughs> I don't fast forward, you know, and Shaq could tell you that uh, through his experience. I don't fast forward the run game. You got to do it right. You got to be physical. You got to uh, – I expect those guys to anticipate uh, depending off the formation – When's it going to be a run? Like yesterday, those guys back at home, first and 10, those guys got a little high on me. So, you know, for the next two days, they're going to hear nothing but play the run. And uh, I don't fast forward it. And, uh, you know, a lot of former coaches in, in uh, on our staff. So those guys know that we got to stop the run. You got to stay after them. And from time to time, you got to will them in. And and not just in the run game, but in the pass game too, Vita and guys like that seem like they just, they're almost an extension of your position group that I i think back to the play where we see that Tryon gets credited for a sack, but Vita took out the whole oh. side of the offensive line and just carved this giant path and Tryon just got to like tiptoe in there and do whatever he wanted. So how incredible is it for you as a position coach for the outside linebacker group to have people like them be who's lining up next to your guys and how, how does that affect and change what your guys were able to do? Uh, man, teamwork makes a dream work. <laughs> but uh, everybody knows how important Vita Bay is. Uh, he's never going to be a high sack guy, but just bringing up that play, I mean, he crashed. He took three guys out, and we was just free. It's just our job. Don't blow the layup. Uh, I'm quite You're like, sure. can we just draw this up every play? Like, can you just <laughs> take out the whole line for my guys every time? Reward the guys. Reward the big guys that do all the, uh, the dirty work for us. And uh, But – the respect everybody respects what those guys do and uh but that's why we had a ring last year and how about uh you know some of your guys we that don't get as much attention know as much about like anthony nelson and, and cam gill tell us a, a little bit about them and, and what you think they can bring to the team what you want to see from each of them and, and maybe where you want to see them improve well first just their their role you know on special teams those guys are doing a good job on special teams for us and uh you know, me being a fourth rounder, I understand that position. I didn't start, I ain't become a full-time starter till my third year. You just got to keep on getting better each day. And when your opportunity comes, you got to uh, seize it. But I love the way uh, their approach, both of them. Uh, I've been lucky to have those guys in the room for just their attitudes 
towards the game, and uh, I expect big, uh, big, big performances when we do put them in there. I always bring up the Super Bowl. I joke with Shaq and uh, JPP. When those guys got in there, those guys caused a holding penalty. I think uh, Cam got a sack, mm-hmm. forced fumble, and so uh, those guys can play. They just got to be ready when the opportunity comes. All right, well, we have one more segment coming up here with outside linebacker coach Larry Foote on Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Advent Health. This is the Buccaneers Radio Network. Buccaneers Total Access with head coach Bruce Arians now continues, brought to you by Advent Health. Welcome back into Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Advent Health. We have outside linebacker coach Larry Foote with us, and I wanted to hear your thoughts on our offensive line going against them in practice and training camp all the time and the way that they help your guys out and then just what you've learned about what they're able to do. I mean, we saw, you know, Tristan shutting down Khalil Mack. That is that is uh, nothing to sneeze at there. In my opinion, I think that's the best uh, dual set of uh, tackles in the league all throughout training camp, improve our game, our skills. Uh, they're, they're different when I say that. As far as Tristan, he more shut you out, lock you down. Donnie got more better feet than Tristan a little bit, so uh, that works out for us in our favor. But we, we get better in training camp. When week one come by, we're not going to face a better group of tackles, in my opinion. That's pretty incredible. And so you feel like if you saw that they were on another team that your guys were going to have to go against, you'd, you'd be like, man, this, this is going to be gonna, it's gonna be a, It's going to be a challenge. It's going to be a challenge. But coming up next week, in my opinion, number two set of tackles is Which, with the Saints. Th- look at you. I, you should be my radio producer. This was my next question. So look at looking at this Saints game, and it's not like you are unfamiliar with this right. team at this point. So uh, tell me about what you're worried about on the offensive side of things for them. Well, we got to stop the run. You know, uh, 41 didn't hurt us in the past before, but we definitely got to stop the run. Even though all those years, Drew Brees, First thing you think about is, you know, touchdowns and all those numbers, but they, they can run the ball. they tough up front. It's a big challenge. Uh, since I've been here, that's been our most uh, physical uh, game that we didn't play them when we played the Saints. So those guys got to do a good job uh, stopping the run, and we got to get, you know, got to get in the ring with those good tackles and uh, see what happens. Yeah, tell me a little more about their tackles and what makes them, in your opinion, second to our tackles in difficulty. They just flat-out block. They're strong. Uh, they, they recover well. Think Armstead, he can recover well. You think you beat him, but he's going to be there. 71, he can lock you up on the line, kind of like our, our tackles, our set of tackles. And uh, those guys get after it. That's why they didn't have so much success in the past few years. And, again, familiarity, not just because they're a division team, but because now Jameis is their quarterback. How do you see this being different in terms of a Drew Brees-led team versus a Jameis-led team of what that's going to mean for your position group in particular? It's going to be harder to get him down. We know that. Uh, he's a strong guy. Uh, I still bring up a couple of weeks ago we couldn't get a Brissett down from Dolphins, mm-hmm. and he's similar in build and sliding in the pocket. So we're going to have to wrap him up, keep our feet, try to get him down. And how about now going in there, road games? I mean, we've always heard that they're one of the toughest places to play. Mm-hmm. Last year there was the luxury of – that not being a factor, no fans, you know, as sad as it was to have no fans, it was occasionally a little handy right. on some of those road trips. Um, so now knowing that you're going into a, you know, Superdome with fans, we hear a lot about that on the offensive side of how tough it is for them in terms of being able to hear their calls and all that. Is it a factor for your guys as well? Or how did you see um, the, the no noise and no fans transition to this year having to face those full stadiums and, and the effect it has? 
Well, more on the road, we can hear the hard count. We got to be disciplined uh, watching the ball. We can hear the, the quarterback voice reflections better. So those guys got to read the ball and uh, just get off. But they can't be listening to that, you know, that hard count, drawing. Uh, and they didn't got us a few times up there with the hard count. So those guys got to be disciplined this week. And uh, But I prefer, when I was a player, I prefer to play on the road opposed to at home because it's just too loud far as communication, making calls and checks. That's interesting. And now you guys are going in there first time in franchise history that this team has started six and one. What does that do for you guys as coaches and as a team to know, to come out with a start like this, to not feel like you're you're chasing it as much, to feel like you're behind the eight ball in, in some of that record? Just what does that mean to realize that you guys are now part of the team, that it is the first time in franchise history you've been able to do this? Well, in this league, uh, when you win, the next game gets even bigger. So we just got to keep stacking them. Uh, you want to get to December, and hopefully you didn't piss away in a lot of games early in the season. You'll be, you know, playing that game of regret. But uh, you just want to keep stacking them. You want, you definitely want to win your your division because that guarantees you a ticket to the dance. But uh, it's so early on in the year, you know, I get caught up watching the, the shows during the week and all the, you know, the pundits on TV, such as yourself. Oh. How dare you love me in and there? That. This How quarterback's a buzz. This quarterback's the greatest ever. And it changed week in and week out. But we just got to keep stacking them. And uh, hopefully, you know, we, we just figure out a way to get a ticket to the dance. And have you seen teams face you guys differently being the defending Super Bowl champs? Have you Has, has anything felt different because of that? No, nah, but we just know guys going to give us our best shot. Offensively, when we can score that way, you can tell our offense will be more aggressive because they know they're going to have to keep up with our offense to score points. So far as fourth down or taking a little more chances, we can see that because our offense, you know, they're scoring points. Well, Coach, thank you so much for being with us. This has been an absolute blast. And I always, I mean, outside of the fact that you lumped me in with all the pundits, <laughs> I've really enjoyed talking to you. Otherwise, we're going to have to off-air discuss that whole idea. But thank you so much, and, uh, and good luck this week against the Saints. Appreciate it. Thank you. And thanks for all of you guys for tuning in. This has been Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Advent Health. We'll be back here next week. We'll see you then. This is the Buccaneers Radio Network.